Hey y'all, welcome to Reengage. My name is John Elmore and I serve as the men's director of recovery here at the church. And I want to ask you a question. Uh, that eight, uh, back up to that eight, that eight represents something in my life, something significant in my life. What do you think that eight might represent? A little audience participation. What's that? Number of kids I heard? Not yet. Eight years of being sober, it's been 10. I'll tell you about that. That's a good guess. So eight, get a load of this. Eight is the number of times that I have asked for forgiveness. You're like, ever? In the last, what do you think, year? Month? Day? Day, says my buddy in the front row. On Sunday Baptism Sunday, like three days ago, on Baptism Sunday at the church, I asked for people's forgiveness eight times. <laughs> like, that's a lot. For, maybe not for you. I thought, I thought it's pretty shocking. Like, eight times in one day. On Baptism Sunday, it's supposed to be a celebration. Like, everybody's happy. People have trusted Christ. They're being baptized. There's food and bounce houses. And I ask people for their forgiveness eight times different times, eight different people. In fact, if I counted Laura, it'd probably be more like 10 or 11. Um, Now you might be thinking to yourself, like, why in the world did they get this clown who had to ask eight people forgiveness to teach tonight? It's because I didn't tell the re-engage team that I did that. (laughs) They're finding out as you are. Um, No, it's because of this. Look, I I, I think there's there's probably like two kinds of people. One that um, know a lot about forgiveness and how to ask it, and they've done studies on it, and they know the Greek and the Hebrew, and they took theological courses on it, and all that stuff, and they probably don't do it because they may be pharisaical and think like, well, I don't, but I don't, I don't sin much. So I don't do, I know a lot about it. I can teach you about it. Or there might be somebody like me, uh, that knows like, this is something crucial to my life. Like I, I have got to have this as a part of my life, forgiveness. And if I don't, I'm going to hurt a lot of people or rather they're going to remain hurt because I've already hurt them. Um, and so it's something that I do a lot. So I'm coming at it from that angle. This is something that I get a lot of practice at, um, because just throughout the course of life and a day with stress and conflict, it's inevitable, at least for me. And I don't think I'm the only one in the room that you end up hurting people. And thus you need to ask for their forgiveness sometimes for big or little things. There's a, there's a phrase that they taught us when I was in seminary that said that God will teach to a man before he'll teach through a man. Uh, meaning God will teach you the lesson before he'll have you teach that lesson. And so when they asked me to teach about seeking forgiveness, I was like, oh man, it's going to be a rough couple of weeks. Like he's going to give me tons of opportunities for this. And he did. Uh, he did very recently. And so I'm not standing up here teaching you this because I'm exceptionally good at asking forgiveness. I'm not up here teaching you this because I really like to ask people for their forgiveness. I mean, let's just acknowledge it's it's brutal. It's hard. It's not fun. I don't like it. It'd be weird if I did, but it's good. It's healthy and it's critical for my marriage and my relationships. And so that's why I'm actually thankful and excited to be able to be with you here tonight to talk about that. So tonight, that's what we're going to talk about is forgiveness, specifically how to ask for it, how to say these words, will you forgive me or will you please forgive me? Now, this is 
covered in the re-engage curriculum. This is steps uh, or lessons five and six. Lesson five is uh, more about how to process through forgiving your spouse, how to um, dispel some of the myths about forgiveness, and then how to extend forgiveness. Lesson six is more about the right way to confess, acknowledge the sin, and how to ask for forgiveness for something you've done. So there's a, you're going to go through this at a deeper level in lessons five or six. Maybe you already have, but you're going to get there eventually if you're going through re-engage. Um, tonight, we're going to specifically cover how to ask for forgiveness. Um, as a recovering alcoholic, which uh, someone knew me in the front row and said, eight years sober, it's been 10 years, 10 years and change. So as a recovering alcoholic, I had and have a lot of opportunities to ask for forgiveness just because of the wreckage that I brought into my life and other people's lives um, through my addiction. And so I've had a lot of practice in this. And even though I'm sober, I still continue to miss it uh, because alcohol was not just my only problem. Um, I continue to fail and when I do ask for forgiveness. I've got a picture of my family and you'll see the people that I ask forgiveness from the most. Uh, Laura in particular. I've been married um, for five years now and uh, she's who I ask forgiveness for the most frequently. Um, is who I go to. Our little boy Hill, he's two years old and already we have taught him how to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Um, we still have to coach him through it a little, but he knows the words and I think he understands that when he's hurt someone. So this is a family value for us. It's, it's critical. So um, I mentioned Regen and I'm going to tell you a little bit about that because you're here in Reengage, and, and all of us have various sin struggles. When I serve in Regen, People sometimes think about a 12-step program for the alcoholics, the meth addict, the gambling addict. Let me just debunk that myth by saying that 70% of Watermark staff has been through or is going through Regen, this 12-step program. Um, that's our staff, 70%. Because what it is, it's a year-long discipleship program where you're, you're just having this daily walk with God in community, men with men, women with women, and it is unbelievable, the transformation that God brings. And so a lot of times these ministries overlap. People are in here because they want to work on their marriage. Well, we also need to work on ourselves. And so when you're done with this, come join us at Regen and come as spouses, come together because we all have various struggles. But tonight we're talking about forgiveness. So we'll go to the problem, squirrels and sinners. Uh, I recently, because of all the hailstorms we've been having uh, and crazy winds, I had a tree guy come out to our house because I, I started to try to trim the trees myself and I'm up like literally 25 feet in the air. I borrowed a 20 foot ladder and I'm like, I'm going to break my neck. Like this is not a good use of uh, me, me ending up in the hospital would not be wise. And so I called the tree trimmer and he comes out and we've got this old oak tree in the back and elm tree in the front that's tall and overgrown. And I was like, it's a matter of time before it crashes through our roof or onto our neighbor's boat. Like got to take care of the trees. So he comes out, he gives me a quote on the big tree in the back, this one there. And um, we're walking around the side yard to get to the front and he goes, whoa, what are you going to do about that? I was like, what? Because all it is is this bush. <laughs> I was like, this guy's a scam artist, tree trimmer. He's like here to tell me about my small little bush. He's like, no, really, what are you going to do about that? And I was like, I mean, water it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And he's like, he's like, we're going to have to do something with it. I'm like, 
bro, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what you're getting at here. And he's like, that's a tree. I was like, that? Because it truly, I wish I'd have taken a picture before. It was, it was just a bush. Like, and honestly, I've watered it. I've trimmed it or manicured it, whatever you call it. Like, I'm trying to take care of this thing. And he's like, that's an oak tree. Really? And he like pulls apart. You guys are like, you're a terrible, you have no credibility as a speaker. He pulls apart the branches. He's like, look at the, look at the bark there. That's an oak tree. And no, no kidding. Once he did that, it was this big around and right beside our house. And he goes, you know, that's going to destroy your foundation. That's going to mess up your drywall. Like that's going to wreck your house. You got to cut that out. I was like, I had no idea. Like I felt like I should pay him a tip just for that. Um, and he goes, yeah, squirrel probably buried a nut there. I was like, those squirrels. <laughs> like, and honestly, that big around, like that, that squirrel buried that nut probably like 12 years ago. And we do have cracked drywall on that side of the house. And I'm like, it's because of that stupid oak. And uh, that's what happens in our marriages. That's what happens in our relationships. There's something small, little acorn. And we're like, no big deal. Bury it. Don't do anything with it. And what we don't know is that that thing has grown up. It's taken roots. It's affecting our house, so to say. And the problem is we need somebody else to point it out because we're the one that buried it. We're like the little squirrel that buried the nut that doesn't even care. Like, I don't know. I don't think I'm doing something good by taking care of it. We don't realize it until somebody on the outside, meaning our spouse or someone else is like, what are you going to do about that? That's messing up our house. I needed this guy to tell me. I, I was like protecting that thing. I didn't want to take it out. I, I didn't even see it as a problem. But I needed somebody else to tell me. Sin is inevitable. Like, if you've trusted Christ, you're no longer a sinner. You're a saint, but you still sin. You still wrestle with sin. I, I don't think I have to tell you this. If I do, come see me afterwards. But, or just talk to your spouse and they'll remind you. But we all have sin in our life. It's inevitable. You've got two sinners inside a house, living in the same bed. That's gasoline and mass, matches. It's combustible. Like It's a matter of time. You're going to get in a conflict. It happens to my wife and I weekly. Like it, it happens to everyone. Satan will lie to you and think, like, are we just derelicts? Did we just get it wrong? Did I marry the wrong person? Like, Are we that messed up? No. Every marriage has conflict because there are two people who sin in the middle of it. The other thing is, is that pride is blinding. Pride blinds you to it. It, it makes you dumb. Pride makes you blind and dumb to where you don't think you do anything wrong, but it gives you this like, it's like a, it's like a one-way mirror. You can see everything they're doing wrong, but like nothing you're doing wrong. You think you still look great. You're like looking in the mirror and they're like, no, you look horrible. It's blinding. And so you need someone else to tell you. And when they tell you about your sin, it's because they actually love you. And they know, like, I know you. You don't want to be like that. There's better in you. There's a better way. I know that's not the husband or dad you want to be or, or wife or mom you want to be. Like, they're helping you because they love you as they point out your sin. It's not because they're trying to beat you down. And guess what? If they don't tell you, that's not loving. You ever have something in your teeth? And you get home and you're like, son of, I've had spinach in my teeth all day and I've had three meetings and talked to that guy and he didn't tell me and I know I smiled at him and he didn't say anything. And then you get home and your wife or your husband or whatever is like, what's in your teeth? Well, they tell you because they actually care. Those other people, your coworkers, they don't care about you. They don't love you. And you need to go have conflict resolution with them. Like, why don't you tell me? 
if they care about you, they will actually tell you and be like, dude, I know you don't want to look like that. Like those gnarly things in your teeth. Like you got to floss that out and deal with it. That's what, as your spouse tells you about your sin, it's because they love you and care about you. Our pride is blinding. We need to be told Laura serves this purpose. And and, and, and no one likes telling each other about their sins and no one likes receiving it, but it's good and healthy, right? We need it. And actually, maybe I'll correct that. We do like telling other people about their sin, you know? It's like, well, let me tell you. And it feels good. We don't like receiving it. So we gotta be, we gotta be open to each other. The other thing, bearing it is not an option. There's this really horrible phrase, time heals all wounds. It doesn't, it's a lie. It's not in the Bible. It makes things worse. I can give you many stories. Time makes things worse. Time does not heal all wounds. If you give a wound time, what happens? It gets infected. And when it gets infected, you get gangrene, like Civil War gangrene. And then they amputate your leg. Like time does not heal anything. It doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. Uh, It's not helpful. Forgiveness is the way that you Take that wound and the infection out. That's the only thing. Time does not heal. Time makes things worse. So that's the problem. The solution on the next slide here is forgiveness. And this is a relational discipline. We talk a lot in church about relational disciplines. I'm sorry, about spiritual disciplines. We talk about prayer and fasting and um, meditation and memory. We talk about spiritual disciplines. Those are the vertical things. We don't talk about relational disciplines. And they're really necessary. A relational discipline... It's not a suggestion from God. It's a command. He says, forgive as you have been forgiven. And it's a command, not a suggestion. That is a relational discipline. And it's called a discipline, just like working out. Unless you're like real geeked up on CrossFit, like normal people probably don't like working out. John McGee does. I don't. Uh, I, I will do it because I know I need to, to take care of my heart and to like still wear the same clothes that I own. But I don't like it. I don't want to do it but I know it's good for me. It's a discipline. It's not called a hobby or a pastime. It's a discipline. It's the same way with forgiveness. It's a discipline. It's something you need to do, although you might not want to do it. Seek it and extend it. It's a relational discipline that God commands. It's hard, but it's good. Just like working out. The world's way is easy. The world's way is to withdraw or escalate, you know, all the weenie stuff. Like uh, that's the world's way or to bury it like that squirrel. That doesn't make anything better. That's the easy way, and it's bad. God's way is hard, but it's good and leads to life. Um, Pride kills. There's something even more deadly than unforgiveness or any drug you could put into your body, and and it's pride. Pride is lethal. Pride is the sin of Satan. And it may have a long fuse. You may live to be the ripe old age of 95, prideful, and no one will come to your funeral because they'll hate you because you're prideful. So if pride is a problem, you am going to give you a way to kill pride. Ask for forgiveness. It is a surefire way to kill that pride on a daily, weekly, whatever basis. It is a pride killer because it's humbling to have to go to your wife or your husband and say, will you please forgive me? But you know what it does? It kills pride and pride's aim is to kill you. It's good for you. Now, horizontal, early and often. You probably didn't think that we were going to talk about sex and a forgiveness thing, but um, we're not. That's actually a different lesson. You guys were like, yes. I never knew that sex had to do with forgiveness. Um, We also talk about the vertical relationship between God often in churches. 
Look, God has told us that you're good with him. He says that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. If you are in Christ, if you've trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins, nothing can separate you from God. Your relationship will never be broken, ever. So what God says is, in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, he says, if you're coming to leave your gift at the altar for God, like, here, God, here's what I brought you, my song, my worship, my gift, my tithe. He's like, hey, leave your gift at the altar if you know your spouse has something against you. It says brother in the Bible, brother, sister, spouse, put it in put in your spouse's name. It says, leave your gift at the altar. First, go be reconciled, horizontal, your horizontal relationship, not your vertical. Go be reconciled, then come offer your gift. God cares about the horizontal so much so that he says, hey, you're my son or daughter in Christ. We're good. You go get that right because that relationship can break. You may have made a covenant with your spouse, but there can be brokenness there. And so you've got to go and reconcile in the horizontal way. I say early and often because we sin. I mean, so Proverbs 6, 2 through 5, you've got it on that handout. I'm going to read it with emphasis. It says, if you've been trapped by what you said, I do it daily. I did it eight times on Sunday. Ensnared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son or daughter, to free yourself. Since you've fallen into your neighbor, I'll say spouse's hand, go. Go to them face-to-face. This isn't a text. It's not an email. You go to them face-to-face. Humble yourself. This is not a moment of pride or for you to say what they did. Um, It's for you to humble yourself. And by the way, let me inject something here. If this whole time you've been sitting here thinking, oh, yes, preacher man, I'm so glad you're talking about forgiveness because my spouse needs this so bad. They better be listening. Oh, you are drilling it into them tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Revival. Like shut up the mental talk. This is for you. Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye before you go try to take the splinter. So stop all that internal dialogue. And you think about your sin that you've committed against them. And you say, but their sin is heinous. What's your sin? That's what Jesus says. Deal with your sin. God will take care of that. He'll convict them. This is for you to deal with yours. So go, humble yourself, press your plea. That's where you're going to ask for forgiveness. And then get this. It says, allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. You know what that means? Same day. It says, don't go to bed before you do it. You offend your spouse, you go to them that day. You don't go to sleep until you ask for their forgiveness. I'm not saying you got to reconcile everything for all time, for your whole marriage. We'd probably be up for three months. But if you sinned against them in that day, God, not me, God says, go seek the forgiveness that day. Now, how do we do it? We're going to conclude here with the application. So that's the solution to ask forgiveness. Here's how we do it. Here is how you ask for forgiveness. Uh, I need things to help me remember things. So it's rut ABC. Like when you're stuck in a rut, you run off the road, you're stuck in a rut, you did something stupid, you're in a rut, go back to the basics. ABC, rut ABC. Here's what it stands for. Recognize the wrong for R, U, understand the hurt. T, take responsibility. A, ask for forgiveness. BC behavior change. We're going to walk through these. Um, I'll just walk through it how I would with Laura. Recognize the wrong. It would be, hey, Laura, when I was sharp with you and short with you, and I, and I know I, I could sense my, my eyes and how I was looking at you, um, 
There's no excuse for that. That that was wrong. Then you understand the hurt. That's me recognizing the wrong. Now you understand the hurt. I'm going to say, and I'm sure that made you feel really unloved and uncared for in the moment. It probably made you feel unsafe. And in lesson six, you're going to learn this, but also to invite them. Hey, but that, that may not be all, and that may not even be what you felt. So can you, would you just tell me what that did in you? And would you help me better understand how that makes you feel? And that's going to help you realize the sinfulness of sin. Again, because we're blind to it when we're the ones that did it. Like, ah, come on, just don't, what's your problem? But when you start to hear like, oh man, it did that to you. I made you feel that way. Wow. So you understand the hurt. T, take responsibility. I'm horrible at this. I'm not teaching you take responsibility because I'm good at it. I need you to, when you see me, say, how are you doing with take responsibility? Because here's what I do. Hey, Laura, that probably made you feel really bad. I understand how that would make you feel when I looked at you short. Um, But you know, I mean, after you asked me the third time when the water was running, you knew I couldn't hear you. So why did you keep asking? I didn't take responsibility. I just tried to justify why I was short with her. I did not take responsibility. And there's no justification for sin. No one can make you sin. We just do it ourselves. And so if I say, well, the reason why I sinned was because you were doing this, I just undid the whole forgiveness thing and shouldn't even open my stupid mouth. Now I'm gonna have to to ask forgiveness for that. Instead, I would just take responsibility and say, and there's never an excuse to be short with you. I'm supposed to be gentle and understanding with you. And so then A, ask for forgiveness. Here's where this breaks down a lot. People say, so I'm sorry. And the person's like, I'm sorry too. That sucked. What you did was really rude. I'm sorry too. Congratulations. We're all sorry. Where do we go from here? Great. Or they say, so please forgive me. It's like, excuse me? You just sinned against me and now you're commanding me to forgive you? Please forgive you? Like with please, you made it polite? Please forgive you? No, you don't tell me what to do after you did that to me. It's A, ask for forgiveness. You say, I'm sorry I was short with you. Will you please forgive me? Question mark. And then you know what you do? You shut up. You just wait. You just listen. And if they take time, You don't say, well, see, this is why I don't come to you in the first place. Just shut up. (laughs) And maybe even say, I understand if you need some time. And you just wait because you've asked them a question. And if you don't want the answer, don't ask the question. You just wait. And then you BC, behavior change. Because Does anybody in the room like to be asked for forgiveness the same thing over and over and over again? You're like, hey, I'll forgive you, but please stop. Like, I I mean, I get it, but yeah, you're forgiven, but it'd be even better if you stopped. So that's BC, behavior change. And so it's like, hey, Laura, um, I'm going to let the guys know on Thursday that I was short with you. Um, My community group, I'm going to tell them. Dad's class, I'm going to let them know. And uh, I know that's not who you want me to be. You deserve better. And so when you see me doing that, invite them into it. When you see me doing that, even if it just starts to go that way, just let me know as gently as you can because I know my fuse. Like, I know I'm still working on that too, but will you just, will you just help me? Will you help me do that thing? Because I don't want to be that. Or if you see me doing it to the kids, would you help me there? 
And I'm going to tell these guys, or maybe I'm going to get rid of my phone if you just confess porn and ask forgiveness for that. I'm going to get rid of my phone, or maybe we need to forget wireless, get rid of wireless in the house. Would you be okay with that? I know that you're going to suffer because of that too, but behavior change. Whatever needs to be to cut off that hand or start making changes so that you aren't going to come back to them the next day and be like, I did it again. I did it again. I did it again. I did it again. I did it. It's like, okay, what are we going to do to change behavior? Now, there was some laughter whenever I said, uh, you know, if they keep asking for forgiveness at the same time over and over and over again, because that stinks. But here's the thing. Um, sometimes we don't want to forgive whenever it happens again and again and again. And God says, no, you forgive them again and again and again. And he gives this little story in Matthew 18 about the unmerciful servant who's been forgiven of so much. And then that servant does for, doesn't forgive his fellow servant of something. And it says that man will be dealt with harshly. The master says, are you kidding me? I forgave you of all that and you won't forgive them of this? Okay, now we're gonna deal. Now we're gonna do business. And that's what God says to us. He he says, hey, I forgave you of all your sin. I laid your sin upon Jesus. And now you're not forgiving your spouse for that? And I know that's a big deal. But it's not that big a deal. It didn't send someone to the cross. Well, it did actually, but... You can forgive them because it's been forgiven in Jesus. And if you say, look, well, how, how can I forgive them again and again and again? Because if they've trusted Christ, their sin against you was actually laid upon Jesus. It was nailed to the cross. And so you unforgiving spouse, who are you to say what was forgiven in Christ? You're like, uh-uh, seventh time, twelfth time, I'm not forgiving you. You're to forgive because they've been forgiven in Christ. If they've trusted in Jesus who died for their sins and rose from the dead, that sin has been laid upon the cross. It's no longer yours to hold on to. It says in Colossians 2.13, it's been nailed to the cross. It's not yours to take back. You just take that debt and that pain, which I know it is, and you transfer it to Jesus and say, I can't deal with this pain of adultery or porn or addiction. I can't deal with it anymore, Jesus. So I've got to take that pain and I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to take that and give it, put it rightfully where it belongs upon the cross. Forgiving is not forgetting. In fact, you've got to acknowledge it in order to forgive. You've got to acknowledge the wrong in order to forgive. It doesn't mean that trust is reestablished for all time. Forgiveness is just releasing that debt and then forgive, trust, reconciliation, those are two different things that you're going to do over the course of time as you work together. But just settle those accounts. You remember that oak tree that the guy told me? I was sitting there in bed. I think it was like three days after he'd come to the house. It was Sunday night. And I was like, we were, I mean, we were getting ready for bed. Sun's going down. It's like twilight. And I'm like, oh, the oak tree. I was like, if I don't do that now, I'm never going to do it because it's going to be a busy week. The kids are going to need stuff. I'm going to go back to work. My to-do list is growing anyway. The honeydews. I'm never going to cut that thing down. I was like, babe, I'm going to go cut down the tree. And she's like, what? Like, put on my shoes, get my glove, get my little hacksaw. And I'm out there. I'm sure the neighbor dogs are barking. I'm dragging this thing out. Like, it's totally sketchy to the neighbors. And I was like, if I don't do this now, it's not getting done. And then as I'm walking back to the house, I look in our ivy there in the front yard. And I was like, son of a gun. Little saplings, those squirrels. 
And I start just pulling them out. I can see their little oak trees growing up. They're all over. They planted them all winter. I'm not a big landscaping guy, but now that I know to look for it, I'm like, they're everywhere. But guess what? I didn't saw those out. I just yanked them out. They were easier because they were younger. They were fresher. They were newer. And that's what we do here. That's why I ask someone eight, well, people eight forgiveness eight times on Sunday. I do it early and often so it doesn't grow up into this hard thing that you got to hacksaw out. Do it daily. Zero out the accounts daily. And if you think, well, I didn't do anything, hmm, you probably did. <laughs> Spouse will help you with that too. Um, and, and proof of that, that I'm not just teaching you this, I was going through these notes with Laura, like, what should I keep? What should I cut? And uh, I was short with her. <laughs> and she goes, why are you being mean to me? Why are you being short? I was like doing a talk on forgiveness with my wife who's helping me and I was short with her and ask her forgiveness while writing a talk for forgiveness. I need help. You need help. We need Jesus. He forgives our sins. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>